podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. And this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed manager shirt. Signed, of course, by the man himself, David Moyes. Plus, you can win £200 cash. Tickets are just £3.95 each, and just £149 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Thursday, and the winner will be drawn an hour later, live on the Football Prizes Facebook page. There's been some fantastic pieces from Tony Cotty, Syed Benrahma, Jared Bone and Vladimir Soufal. In fact, most of the current West Ham squad all signed up for grabs since they launched. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. So we've got a defeat against the league champions out the way. We've had the worst luck in the world. We've got that game out the way. And now we've got the inevitable defeat to Brighton and Hove Albion out the way. West Ham are going to kick off their season with the first victory of the campaign. We're not going down at all. All of that was fallacy last season. And we're going to win the Europa Conference League after thrashing V-Borg three goals to one. This is going to be a positive podcast because I really don't have the emotional capacity to talk about my true feelings about the fact that once again, West Ham United have not beaten Brighton and Hove flipping Albion. I'm Will Pugh. I'm joined by James Jones. Jonesy, mate, how are you? I think this is just going to have to be a denial episode, mate, because I haven't got it in me to front up to the fact that West Ham haven't won a game after three in the Premier League. In fact, they have started their season in the worst way for 51 years. We're just going to have to pretend that none of that's true. Is it really our worst? Surely. We, didn't we start a no. season where we'd lost four in a row? No, I think like, as in after this stage, so like our worst start after three games, I think, because we haven't scored a goal, basically. Oh, right. <laughs> so that's it, is it? Well, yeah. well and zero. This, the zero points thing is important as well. This will cheer you up then. This will cheer you up. This time, this time last season, we'll start the season with three defeats and hadn't scored a single goal. They finished fifth. So, I mean, all is not lost. And one of those defeats was against the newly promoted side in Brentford. So, was this uh, Arsenal, did you say? This is Arsenal, yeah. So, um, obviously, we've lost the newly promoted Nottingham Forest. Um, so, yeah, I don't think all, all is not lost. You know, it's frustrating. Um, I genuinely believe that this was the year that we'd find the end of the Brighton. Mate, I don't want to talk about it, honestly. Um, but now, because we've lost that one at home, I genuinely don't, wherever the, the game at the Amex is later in the season, I don't care whether we, we might be winning the league by that point, and I still wouldn't back us to go there and get a result. I'm done with Brighton. Forget them. Dead to me. Um, but I, I still I think... I hate it, still, mate. Honestly, it's because, just not funny. Because, yeah, I mean... We, <laughs> I don't. It's like the most tragic, embarrassing bogey team to have as well. Honestly... Yeah, I mean, I get annoyed about some things on this podcast. I like to be quite pragmatic and only get angry when it's deserved. And, you know, we like to think through any criticisms that we make, be it of the players, the manager, the board, whatever. But 
this thing is it's tragic it's it's just infuriate i hate it i really hate it it's not it doesn't even make me angry i just hate it so much it's what, just pathetic and i it's just it's so annoying what's weird what's weird is that you'd kind of we, we were talking about this before the game me and a couple of mates just that you'd kind of accept it to a point where if if Brighton every single year got better and better and better, they sort of they kept buying good players, they you know, kept growing as a football club and becoming, you know, top yeah. top eight Premier League team. As opposed but, to stagnating yeah. and finishing thirteenth every they, year. They've sold like their best player every summer for the last like three or four years. Danny Welbeck plays for them for Danny God's Welbeck sake. still plays for them. Um Adam Lalana plays for them. Um like Joel Veltman. Who two, even is that? The first two players, I mean, I thought they retired about 10 years ago. They're still playing football in the Premier League. But what's worse is that when, the, te- when the teams were announced, when the teams were announced, we looked at the lineup and we were like, I'd be pretty sure that that was Brighton starting 11 for the first ever Premier League game when they got promoted about six years ago. Like, it just doesn't <laughs> seem to change. Inevitably it's, beat us then. it's the same starting 11 almost every year. So Brighton, okay, they've got a good manager and they play good football. But it's been the same team. It feels like it's been the same team forever. We've had about 400 players in that time frame, <laughs> right? And we still can't beat them. We still can't find the right combination of footballers to go onto a pitch and beat a Brian Hove Albion team, um, which has it's... never changed. It's it's tragic. It's tragic. And <laughs> it really I, I is. I really don't know what else to say beyond that. It's literally one of the most tragic stories to come out of West Ham United it is. in decades. Like, it's how on pathetic. earth is this kind of thing? Yeah, if, mate, and honestly, and then people, I swear to you, not a single bit of this from me now is like hamming it up for the podcast. I hate it so much. <laughs> like, uh, it was just, I don't know, it was the worst one. We just, we just always play so pathetically, like, average against them. It doesn't matter, like, how well we're playing with, with, like last season, it doesn't matter about our form. It's just such a weird, I really, really hate it because there's no, I think the reason I can't comprehend it is because just like logically and mathematically, it doesn't make sense. No, and I'm quite and a right. scientific sort of mathematical, like sort of, yeah, things like I like things to make sense and for there to be reasons for stuff and like, percentages and all that sort of thing i like a lot of that like percentages will tell you that over the course of 10 years or whatever will be arsenal once or twice even though predominantly you know they've got a um, a better team than us have spent more money on the facilities about all that just through mathematical anomalies you beat them every now and then you know so a bit of luck will go your way blah 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 so the fact that we haven't beaten brighton since they've been back in in the premier league Mate, it's closing in on ten years. One you, entire decade. It, it, um, it makes less sense. Given you're right in what you say is that it doesn't matter what form we're in. Over the last two years, we've been fighting for the top four and the top six. Brighton have been mid-table, um, or mid-second up, bottom half of the table, battling down there, and we've still not been able to beat them. This year, we're bottom of the league. They're sort of floating around mid-table still, and we still can't beat them. Like nothing really. Works out like it's no. just, I just don't understand it, I don't understand <clears throat> it. and um, yeah, I think we deserved it as well. Just terrible. Since Rubbish. West Ham, since West Ham last beat Brighton, we've had the London Olympics, the bowling ground was knocked down, Dimitri Payet came and went, Mark Noble became captain and retired, 
David Moyes has been appointed manager twice and Brexit was still four years away. I mean, it's just not funny. Honestly, it's just not funny. <clears throat> and yeah, I, I honestly think if David Moyes can't, doesn't beat Brighton later on in the season, him, all the players and the board should be sacked. In fact, <laughs> just wind the club up. Wind the club up because you can't. It's just stupid now. Honestly, it's pathetic. I don't care. We could have won the Europa League. We could win the Premier League this year. But that it's always tainted, isn't it? If you can't beat Brighton. They're just such a mer club as well. And I've got nothing against them. I like Brighton. The city's great. The stadium's really nice. Um, I even quite like their kit. But it's just meh, isn't it? No one else in the Premier League has got anything. Like They're just one of those teams that make up the numbers, aren't they? Very no inoffensive in the... football club. But it just... Inoffensive kind of... is perfect. Yeah. That's a yeah. great word, yeah. If I moved down there, I'd go and watch them just, and it would, I would enjoy it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It would be nice. Fans are all nice. Grand Potter's a brilliant manager. He's a nice bloke. Yeah, nice blue and white stripy kit. Even that's not offensive. No one really hates them. I mean, the Crystal Palace thing... Yeah, all right. Even their rivalry is inoffensive, isn't it? <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean? No one really hates them. Most teams would go, oh, I like having Brighton in the Premier League. And the, the thing is, I would like to like them. Do you know what I mean? It's, it feels hard to hate them. But, do you think? And, and do, I don't. I actually hate West Ham more for not being able to beat them. You, you hate West Ham purely because they've made you hate Brighton. No, but I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't really hate Brighton for it. They're just turning up, like, trying to play a good game of football. Like, they don't even gloat about it, really, do they? No. That's the thing. If it was the other way around, it was West Ham having that over some, and all our fans would be giving it to them every time. Yeah, they're just quite understanding and nice, like, which is... Ugh. It's like on, on Sunday when they're, they're singing, we can, we can see you sneaking out, and it's gone quiet over there and, and all that, and you're not singing anymore. Mm. And it's like any other any other team singing that, and I'd, I'd like I'd be upset. I'd be like, what, what? Why have we allowed this this set of fans to start taking the Mickey out of us? But mm. generally, because it was Brighton, I was kind of, I was almost laughing. I was just like, yeah. I can't get angry at that lot. <laughs> just yeah, there's none is. of it, is there? It, yeah. Even like the singing and all that's quite melodic, isn't it? So, oh, they're yeah. actually quite good so, singers. Yeah, yeah. Nah, not okay, mate. Just absolutely not okay. Um. Right, well, that's the intro done. Anyway, uh, I'm just going to try and pretend that everything was okay. It's clearly not. Um, West Ham United just ruining my week slash life once again. Um, Jonesy, then, uh, let's do some housekeeping first and we'll talk about it in more detail. I don't think I haven't got room to ask you about your life. Um, I'm just too angry. Uh, so follow us on Twitter if you like at we are underscore West Ham or Instagram at we are West Ham pod. Facebook search the We Are West Ham podcast. Do the same on YouTube for all the video clips Jonesy puts up. You can email us if you so wish at wearewestampod at gmail.com. And don't forget, uh, you can buy us a beer and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestham. Uh, the beers are a fiver each. Um, money goes directly to Jonesy and I, and it only gets spent on either pints when we're together over a bar or equipment and guest fees to make the podcast better for you guys. So that's buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestam. If you fancy heading over there, what's coming up on the show, Jonesy? Right, we've got some reaction to that Brighton game in a little bit more detail. We've got two opposition views this week. Henry Nichols is back from football in Denmark to chat or look back to the V-Borg victory in the Europa Conference League and look ahead to the second leg. On Thursday, we've also got a couple of opposition views, a special voice note from Tim Wildwood, one of our, our, our favourite 
uh, opposition views that we have and another special Aston Villa guest as well. And then we'll say goodbye for another week and hope against all hope that West Ham can A, progress through to Europa Conference League group stages and B, get our first Premier League, I was going to say points, but even a goal would be nice, wouldn't it, on the board at the end of this week. Stay with us. All of that coming up next. Right, coming in, Jonesy. I think it's best if you do a lot of the talking. I mean, you can see I'm not really in control of, of my emotions. It's Monday morning. Uh, the game was, yeah, literally yesterday. I clearly still haven't got over it. I just hate it so much. And I'm, that's all I've really got to say on it. So I think it's best if you uh, provide some of the more detailed tactical analysis, some of the things you want to look back on, talking points from the game and all that. Um, because I'm just going to keep saying, oh, just I hate it, and it's not going to be good content, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, West Ham United nil, Brighton 2, just oh, 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 so predictable, because the best we can ever hope for against the Seagulls is a one-all draw. Uh, give me some of your thoughts. Odd away from the front. James, I'm really sorry. That's the second time I'm going to let people in behind the curtain. That's the second time I've gone to mute my mic while you're talking and muted you instead. <laughs> so uh, all the momentum Fine. that we feel out there, uh, let's go again. Right. So Jonesy, Brighton, give me your thoughts. <laughs> well, I'm off mute. Yeah. Okay. Um, we can't can't run away from the fact that we deserve to lose that. Um, it was a poor performance all round. I don't think we started too badly. Then you give away a penalty, they score it, and then it kind of all went downhill from there. And the the worst thing about it, I felt, was that Brighton didn't ever really look like scoring beyond the two opportunities we gave them. Like they had two shots on target all game. Beyond that, like they genuinely had no like there wasn't a single moment where I've gone, oh, we're under the cosh here. Like they could, they could score another one. Um, beyond the penalty, which just a clear cut penalty anyway. And then the other one. Do you reckon? Yeah. I just didn't, I just didn't really feel like, oh, this could go, this could end up five or six nil here. Like I didn't, hmm. but we were just so poor in that, particularly in the build up to, you know, when we had possession, just felt like we had no idea, like genuinely no clue when in possession of the ball. Hmm. Bowen was missing. Suchek was poor. Rice was non-existent in midfield. Um, Antonio, God knows, I can't remember if he even played or not. Um, even like when Skamaka came off the bench, like just didn't really offer us anything, nor did Cornet. Um, yeah, like just no, not a single player on that pitch. Even Ben Rama, who did well, when he came off the bench against FIBOR, got a good assist, everyone thought, oh, you know, here we go. He had a good game against um, Forrest. He, he was missing. Like, just no one really turned up. And we got beat by the better team on the day. But also, we got beat in a way where if we'd had actually tried in attack, we probably would have got a result or at least scored a goal. But the, the worst thing about it is that Brighton rarely looked like scoring, but just scored on the two shots that they did have on goal. Hmm. Um, and we didn't even look like scoring at all. No. And we're at home. And we should be... Like The fact that we've lost 2-0 to a team that only had two chances at home is painful for me. And 
I don't understand Moyes' comments after the game. You know, he actually Which started one of our new really signings, which is great. <clears throat> it's progress. Tilo Kerr started game yeah. away the penalty. Um, um, I'm of the understanding though that yeah, he wasn't quite sure about putting him in. It was a bit of a like he wasn't sure he was ready, and then um, yeah, and then sort of decided to gamble on it a little bit, um, and obviously sort of backfired. So he was of the opinion that he wasn't ready or anyway, like. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I mean, the, the the frustration the frustration I've got with what Moyes said afterwards was that which comment um, to, particularly mate? about about the new signings. You know, it feels like they he said that they've got to adapt quickly. So, oh. well, how do they adapt quickly, Dave? If you're not going to give them game time, hmm. like and playing them against Viborg, that's irrelevant. Like, hmm. give them game time in the Premier League. Give them more than fifteen minutes at the end of a game. Um. I just don't... How, how the hell is Skamaka going to be the striker that ends our striker crisis when he's getting 25 minutes every weekend? Like, I, mm. I just don't understand it. And then he's getting 75, 80 minutes against a, against a, a Danish mid-table club in, in, a, in a European qualifier. Like, that's not going to make him adapt any quicker. He's got to start football matches. Same as Cornet. Same as Kera. I'm, like, I'm glad that he, he decided to gamble more yeah. with Kera because <clears throat> you've got to start... Are you, though? Yeah, well, yeah because, well, I mean, he gave away a penalty. I didn't think he was he was terrible. Um, yeah, he did look as if he wasn't hundred percent ready. I saw we, a tweet. Our other option, our other option is Ben Johnson, who yeah, yeah. okay, he's done well over the last two games. But at what point do you go right? We just need to play centre backs. We've got centre backs now. Let's play the centre backs as as centre backs. Like that, he's got to make that gamble in my in my opinion. Okay, well, yeah, fine. but then yeah, but he's got well, to that's the thing, quickly. isn't it? A kick. Tilo Kerr will adapt quickly if he's playing. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's fine. Corn- but like, Cornet's not it... going to adapt quickly if he's getting 15 minutes every weekend. Skamaka's not going to play. What do you, what's he got to adapt to? Well, that's what I mean. The Premier League well, last well, this, is, this is the problem. Like, why, why are we asking these players to adapt quickly, but then only playing the 15 minutes? Just put no, them but... on the football pitch. Play them. But I, I understand. Play them. Like, Cornet plays in Bowen and Fornell's position two of the most outstanding performers in the team last season. So there is that, like you've got to earn your way into the team. You've but, got a bloke who went down with Burnley and you try, like you, you don't just throw him in and, and shit on those two. Oh, so, excuse me. Um, you know what I mean? But then <laughs> so at I the same time, wasn't a swearing podcast, but at the same time, after the city game, Moyes came out and said, I've got to freshen this squad up a little bit. I've got to freshen this team up a little bit. Well, the That's only way the, you do that. Yeah, you know those like two months we've just had, Moisey, they're the transfer window. And what yeah. you do, that's that's literally a time specifically when you can do that. But <laughs> this this is the thing is that you, you've got, you bring these players in uh, to, okay, some of them have come in to, to add depth. But we're talking about, you just mentioned Bowen and, and four now. Bowen's been non-existent since the season started, apart from that one good thing he did against Vibor. Um, four now's, I thought he played very well against um, Forest, but was missing against Brighton. Um, so there's got to be a point where you go, well, maybe, yeah, the squad needs freshening up, but the starting 11 needs squ- uh, freshening up as well. Because these players have played 50, 60 games over the last 12 months. Hmm. Right? They need a bit of a rest. Yeah, they've had the summer off. Some of them have, have had longer summers than others. Like we, we, it's, not, it's not good enough just to bring in a load of new signings in the summer and just keep them on the bench and just give them 15 minutes every weekend. We've got to play them. How are they mm. going to do that quickly if you're not giving them a start? Start one over four nows if you have to. 
Start one over Bowen. Like, no. I don't know. That's the way I see that. it. You're not going to start him over Bowen, are you? Four nails, I kind of understand. But then, I don't know. I think he's one of those players that fans that fans are quick to sort of go. Because he doesn't do anything spectacular, really. Who's that? Uh, four nails. Like, right. Bowen, you don't not start Bowen. Like, that's, I get that, yeah. I right. get that. Um, four nails is one of those where you look at him and you go, oh, he doesn't really, he seems to like, not slow things up, but he's not like Bowen. He gets the ball and runs at people and makes stuff happen. He, but he works his absolute tail off. And I think it's one of them where if he doesn't play, we sort of look worse and no one can really know why. And then in the background, it's like, oh yeah, because like four nails runs 11, 12 kilometers a game and Cornet's come in, done a few step overs, but, we got massively exposed down the left hand side or whatever. I, I, I kind of get what you mean. I do. I would. I would honestly. I'd give it a gamble because it, it's looked stale, isn't it? But mate, that's, that's it's Antonio again. It's like, mate, that, that's exactly my point. It's Antonio um, up front. It's all very well criticizing the players behind, but when you've got nothing to link up with and feed off or whatever, that's just... that, that's it. And I think if there's one change that he has to make against Villa at the weekend, it has to be Scamacca for Antonio for me. I don't care if it's the same starting eleven that played Brighton, apart from that one change. Hmm. Um, like it's got to the point where it's it's almost ridiculous. Like he, he'll have like five good minutes a game now at this stage of his career. Like, and that's just because he's held the ball up once or twice and, and passed hmm. it passed it back to four hours or something. I just he, the, all three games this season, he's showed he's literally offered nothing for me. Hmm. Like offered nothing at all. Forrest, he was okay, wasn't he? He was okay. He was okay he, 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 and he, I suppose he did have to handle giving the defenders piggybacks for 45 minutes, which, you know, <laughs> and must have been American, difficult. And American football blocks. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, that was difficult for him. But against Brighton, just like I said before, like, you barely even realised he was on the pitch. Like, mm. If you if you're a striker, you've got to be, you've got to make the difference, particularly at mm. home. And like, he just hasn't done that. Um, so that's the one change I desperately want to see made. But you know, if 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 we benefit so much from four hours work rate, um, and he's the only one in the in the team that really offers that level of work rate, and he is, I think. Mm. Um, then why on earth haven't we gone into the market and bought one or two players that have similar desire and work rate as four hours in similar positions? Easier said than done, I understand. But if you bring in play, players that have that same desire and work rate, then you can give Fonaus a bit of a break and drop him for a couple of games, knowing that you're going to get the same level of work rate from his replacement. Mm. That hasn't that hasn't been done, or at least, at least we're we're not really sure whether it's been done or not, because the players that have been brought in have barely played. Mm. So that's where I'm at with it. That's where I'm at with it. That's what's frustrated me most <clears> about <throat> the first three games of the season and Brighton. Yeah. And yeah, I just it's weird actually. I want to see that, a change. Yeah, I just think the Antonio thing, mate. I just, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if Skamaka is the answer, really. I st- one striker, I don't really necessarily think that's enough. Yeah, it's but we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Um, but listen, I, it's weird, though, how we haven't scored a goal yet this season. Well, we have, because Ben Rama shouldn't have been disallowed and Declan mm-hmm. Rice should be able to score from 12 yards. Or if um, Scott McKenna hadn't been playing volleyball, Suchek's one might have gone in anyway. So... Uh, it's, it's just weird how I'm still concerned more about the defence. I mean, I saw a tweet, Tom Rennie, it was from Talk Sports, said, uh, 
<laughs> I've just generally watched one of the worst West Ham debuts there's ever been. I'm not kidding. I'd sell him tomorrow about Thilo Kera. Um, as a bit mate, harsh. again, I, I don't know. It's a bit harsh, but again, it's like one of them saying Moisey apparently was a bit apprehensive about putting him in before, um, but sort of rolled the dice and look, I've, that's a do- that's a dodgy tackle, isn't it? I was. At first, I was like, that's a free kick, no problem. Um, I don't know, and I'm still not really certain, but everyone else seems pretty sure it was a pen, so I was like, all right, fine. Um, And, but just the chat you say about Ben Johnson, I don't think Ben Johnson lunges in like that. I thought it was really like, I don't know, just go with him. Like, it was only Welbeck, I think, was it? Welbeck on the ball? Yeah, it was Welbeck. And, Um, you know, you'd think even... Um, Thilo Kerr would know how comical it is to think um, challenge or when Danny Welbeck's uh, running through that an emergency challenge needs making um, <clears throat> yeah I, I just thought it was a little bit oh blimey and I know what you're saying I you know let, like, these players have got to adapt but if adapting means giving away stupid fouls or penalties like that it, you know it's, it's more <laughs> for a defender isn't it and but I'll be honest mate I don't really want to hear any too much criticism for Kera because he's put in that position by Zuma who was majorly at fault for both the goals yeah and Moyes has come out afterwards and said oh maybe he's not at his levels yet well We've that was going to be my next point is that pitches appears this, that was going to be my next point was that Zuma I think this season he's been our only fit centre back all season so far and I've heard rumours, mate, that he's still having trouble with that knee. Yeah, but so the fact is, he's been our only—he's been our only fit centre back all season since the season started. Hmm. Um, and arguably, he's been our worst. Like at fault for both goals against Brighton, rubbish really against Forest. I think like just again was relatively non-existent. Um, and oh, City, City, like is what it is, but. I just don't. I haven't seen anything of Zuma of what we were used to seeing last season, like really imposing mm. centre back in attack at set pieces as well as defensively. Um, and the fact that he's been he's been our only centre back, but also probably our worst, says a lot about the form that he's in at the moment. Yeah. Um, and weirdly, and I say weirdly, it's not really that weird because he's a legend, but we desperately miss Craig Dawson. <laughs> You're right. Miss- that is- yeah, you can't we miss his heart. We miss his. We miss him throwing his head at people. Yeah, and, in front of in front of feet and balls <laughs> and arms and whatever else, just getting in front of anything. Yeah, um, just being an all round good bloke. Yeah, yeah. I um right, James. Now uh, in my you know I'm not one to hmm, what's the word catastrophize, which is sort of a word I've been using quite a lot recently. I quite like it. Yeah, yeah. Um. I'm not one to do that freely, but how, and again, the Brighton thing is what it is. How long, and I don't, I didn't really want to talk about it on this podcast actually, because I still think it's silly and premature, but it's Aston Villa next. That is, that's pretty huge, isn't it? Because I think genuinely I'm sort of happy to make, an excuse. I would say, realistically, we're, we're three, maybe four points behind where we would want to be, right? Regardless of when the fixtures fell, 
if me and you sat down and went how many, and went through every fixture West Ham have this season and said how many points we expect or should get points from, mm-hmm. um, I think genuinely we would stay a point against Brighton because that's what we do. We'd say a defeat to Manchester City, and we would probably say, "Oh, right, if you're being if you're being confident, Beat then Forest, you'd yeah. say beat not in a Forest, but it's still an away game, so maybe a point, right?" So I think best case we're two points behind um, our more pessimistic guesses, and very very worst case. I know people think we should beat Brighton, but because of that, you know, very worst case we're six points behind. But realistically, it's probably four. I think that's reasonable. If you said you'd get four points out of Forest away and Brighton at home, no matter how they fell, you'd say yes. So four points behind where we would like to be. Um, what? What? How long until it's a disaster? As in until... Because people are starting to talk about Moyes out. I don't want to talk about no, that, no, yet, no, that no. yet, really. I think no, it's no, tragic. No. no. no I, I don't... Th- but how long until you start... Not, not necessarily Moyes out, but how long before you start going... Oh, there's some serious problems here. Like if we don't beat Villa and we do like a victory against Villa and they're not playing great, what do you think? It's difficult to want to call. So like I said right at the beginning, you know, look at Arsenal last year. They lost their first three games of the season without scoring, ended up finishing yeah. fifth. Um, should have finished fourth, really. They absolutely bottled that. Um, so if you look if you're looking at what our our targets are for this season, which is top six, top eight at the very worst. Top six, you know, going for it. Let's let's try and get back into the Europa League at the very least. Right. Um, then I, it's, it's too early to really be in panic mode. Okay, it's slightly concerning, um, unexpected, frustrating. Um, but I don't think that it, there's time, it's time to panic just yet and just go thinking, oh, there's a, there's a major issue. We've still got 10 days of the transfer window. You'd, you'd like to think is Morris is going to bring two or three new new guys in. In what position, I don't really know. At this, at this moment in time, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> we just need new players. Um, and <clears throat> and then we, we see what happens after that. See what happens after that. I think, because we've got Villa and then, then it's Spurs. Mate, um, that's what I'm saying. Villa, Spurs, Spurs Chelsea, Chelsea, Newcastle. Yeah. And so... If, if we don't get anything at Villa, then it could potentially be seven games, six, seven games. Um, which, yeah, at that point, you start wondering, okay, well, what's going on? Something's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the moment, it's too early f- for me. And all that talk about Moyes out, that's I mean, just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, yeah, just, I am with you on that. Look, we, okay, I look back at it this morning. We've, we've got one win in our last 10 Premier League games. Okay, we're currently putting out relegation form. Yeah. Right. But we've still finished in the top seven two years running. We've finished in the, um, <clears throat> got to your opening semi final. Hmm. We've lost three games in a row in the Premier League this season. That is no cause to start going, Moyes out. Moyes out. Um, <laughs> no, no, I agree. Like, it's, it's nonsense. We need yeah. to beat Villa. Yeah, though, it's, one, it's one win in 10 if you take into account the back end of last season. But at the moment, it's three defeats in a row, and that's the way I'm seeing it. Um, three defeats in a row is no cause for concern for any football club, really, unless you're Man City or Liverpool trying to go for the title. Right. Right? Then you wipe, Then it's like, okay, panic stations. But for us, you know, 
for what we want to achieve this season, I still think it's salvageable. Of course it's salvageable. I don't think we should be panicking just yet. But it's frustrating. Well, so, does that make sense? Yeah, I sort of. Sort of, it does. I mean, I didn't really... The, the Moyes out thing's just nothing at the moment. I, I am nervous, though. I am nervous. Yeah, I'm, I suppose there I is just an think, element of being nervous, yeah. But... Just with those games we've got coming up. And that's what I say. People go, oh, why does it matter when you play Man City first game of the season or not? Um, Honestly, mate, and I think it does because I think it's all about momentum and mindset and all that sort of stuff. I know you said about Arsenal, but I do honestly think it's slightly different with a club like that. Um, well, they they lost to Brentford on the opening day of last season. Uh, yeah, embarrassed at Brentford. But it's different, isn't it? They're they're slightly different. You're dealing with a different outfit there. Um, yeah, I'd, I don't know, mate. I just it doesn't. And I think that's the thing we haven't. Uh, the Nottingham Forest game that was genuinely bad luck there. Brighton is just Brighton, but I think that's what, it. Just automatically puts pressure on this Villa game, mm. like. Because we always beat Aston Villa, really, don't we? We're they're they're a bit like one of our like Brighton probably think we are to them or whatever. I never, I am never ever scared about playing Aston Villa. I always mm. assume we're going to beat them because we always seem to. Far less scared with Stephen Gerrard as manager, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I just I don't know. I think it's a little bit, um, it's a, just a little bit concerning, put it that way. But I'm trying to be pragmatic. Certainly no Moyes out chat think- yet. I but think Villa is a huge game. Just lastly, I think a lot of the current panic and a lot of the, you know, some of the Moyes out chat and all that, I think it's born out of the fact that no one really saw this coming. Yeah. The, you know, oh, yeah. the end of last season was a little bit, was disappointing, obviously, because we bottled sick. Um, but we've got, we, we still went into the beginning of this season. Yeah, okay, it was, it was City. Still going, yeah, we're going to have a good season. Like, really, yeah, 100% behind Moyes and his, and his team. So far, he's brought in some good players. Hopefully, he brings in more before the end of the window. We're positive. You know, we're going to go again. No one saw us losing three in a row without scoring a goal. Yeah. Um, so, that's why everyone's going, oh, oh, blimey, this is terrible. Weren't expecting this. Yeah, 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 and it's yeah. it's kind of, it's heightened the sense of urgency a little bit. And I I think we probably just need to take, take a step back and um, too early, too early really to, to hit the panic button. Right, okay. Fair enough. I appreciate your pragmatism, Jonesy. Look, it is what it is, that game. Um, yeah, care is not. No one's had a good... No one's come out of that well. Um, just one thing. To, actually, you know what? I'll talk to you about that later on. We'll do that in the final thoughts, Jonesy. That's the Brighton reaction. Uh, we've got Henry Nichols from Football in Denmark coming up next to look back to the V-Borg game and ahead to the second leg in the Europa Conference League this Thursday. We've also got uh, a voice note from uh, Opposition View legend Tim Wildwood, uh, head of the Aston Villa game on Sunday. And we will have a chat uh, with Luke or Baz TBC at this stage of recording um, from another Aston Villa podcast uh, to chat about that game in a little bit more detail before Jonesy and I say goodbye for another week. I don't ever want to talk about Brian ever again. I'm already dread. I think later on this season, Jones, we have a fortnight off. I don't want to talk about the game ahead of the game, and I don't want to talk about the Brighton game after the game. Unless so we, we have them. a fortnight off. No, 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 no. But I, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I mean, if we beat them, then maybe we do one. But even then, right? When we beat them, I'm not be relieved. On this, <laughs> it's not a cause for celebration. Think, how do we feel when when that day finally comes? Whenever yeah. it comes, how do we feel about it? 
it Do feels we celebrate? like right it feels like this is a brilliant analogy actually not to pat myself on the back for this work but it feels like you know like we all had that mate who took like 10 times to pass his driving test yeah by the time they actually do it, you're you're not like, hey, well done, brilliant. You're just like, yeah, mate, you've taken it 10 times. Why have you yeah, waited? About time, mate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly We've been, doing, we've been doing the last 10 times. Yeah, yeah. it's like, no, like, put the champers away, mate. There is no cause for celebration <laughs> here. Or the only reason this is a good thing is because of the embarrassing stuff that's gone before. Like, get out of my face. Um, yeah, I wish Brighton and Hove Albion would get out of West Ham's collective faces as well. Uh, that's another conversation we don't have to have for another few months, fortunately. But positivity from here on in. We're going to beat V-Board, get through to the Conference League group stages. Then we're going to smash Aston Villa at Villa Park on Sunday, as we always do. You'll hear about uh, both of the, or the chances of um, doing both of those things from Henry Nichols first, then the Aston Villa stuff after that. For me and Jonesy, say goodbye for another week. Next. <laughs> So at least West Ham got one victory across the last seven days. Obviously, we were never going to beat Brighton. As we've just gone through in slow, painful, laborious detail there, Jonesy and I. But fortunately, we did have a team uh, that we were capable of scoring some goals against and actually getting a win against uh, in the Europa Conference League playoff first leg. West Ham beat Danish side Viborg 3-1 last Thursday at London Stadium. I'm delighted to say that joining us again is Henry Nichols from the uh, Football in Denmark platform, website and Twitter and all that sort of thing. Henry, it's great to have you back, mate. You were at the game last Thursday at London Stadium. I know you were uh, having a few beers with some of the away fans before and all that sort of stuff. Um, goals from Gianluca Scamacca, Jared Bone, Mikel Antonio for West Ham and uh, JB Jensen getting the uh, V-Borg, what didn't look like a consolation at the time, looked like it was a uh, one to get him back in the game. But um, how did you find it? Talk us through it. Um, yeah, big occasion for the Danish guys, obviously. So, yeah, yeah. How, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it was. I mean, um, uh, I was delighted to be... Um, a, a few of the V-Borg fans invited me down to the pub and I thought, um, I'll go, go and have a chat with some of them. And... Um, uh, just you know there was probably two three hundred fans there and um one of them said to me oh if you met this guy he's the owner so i met the owner of viborg and he said oh if you met Did this you? guy he's, he's our um he's our top scorer of all time soren Fredriksson. and these guys were all <laughs> along for the party and all geeing the fans up and so it was a really big occasion and uh Amazing. you know what one person said to me you know this is the biggest game in our history um Someone else said, look, it's not, we've had more important games, but this is the game against, you know, the biggest team, but like uh, biggest media coverage. And so fans were really hyped for this. Um, and I think you could see in the stadium, you know, they, they didn't stop singing for, for the 90 minutes. I guess in terms of what I was hoping for and what I was, you know, uh, looking forward to was the idea that V-Ball could, you know, play some of what I've seen them play in the Superliga and not just come and get rolled over. And I think that when you're playing a Premier League opposition, uh, you never know what the, you know, is that difference in quality going to be so big that, you know, they just get blown away. And I think hopefully what you saw was, okay, yes, what, what, like West Ham's individual quality. And in fact, the, the V-Ball captain talked about this afterwards because I, I said to him, you know, is the intensity that much different to a Super League game. And he said, not really, but the, the individual quality is is um, the kind of the biggest difference. And you saw, I think particularly that second goal, 
you know, Bowen just got a sniff of a chance, <laughs> you know, outside the box and he slammed it in the bottom corner and, you know, that, that sort of thing. And I, I guess for the first goal as well, um, you know, Cornet just like turning his man and just getting that little bit of space to provide the chance. So I think like when West Ham had those chances, they took them really well. Um, mm. But what I was impressed about was, you know, Vibor finished the game with 50% possession, you know, had 10 shots. I think, you know, were, were, were worth that goal. Um, and so I think there's still some some hope there. In fact, the manager said afterwards, you know, maybe we've dug the hole, but we're not in it just yet. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, I think the, the fans are, uh, are certainly expecting that this second leg is going to be a different beast, you know, sold out stadium, um, all their players available um, and 96 minutes of information on the opposition gathered. So, yeah, let's let's see. Henry, what are Vibog's home form like? Because, you know, even though, I mean, I said to a mate during the game, I was like, we ideally need a three a three goal cushion going into that second leg. Obviously, it's only a two goal cushion. Honestly. Um, and given the form of West Ham this season so far as well, um, I'm interested to know sort of how strong V-Borg are at home because I'm still seeing this as a potential banana skin for West Ham, <laughs> given the form that we're in. Yeah. And you, you know what? I I think it could be. Uh, it's such a such a typical thing to say. Like the first goal is crucial, but you know if they, if they can get the home fans on side w- with an early goal, then it's one of those ones where West Ham are really going to have to dig in. Um, I would say that th- there's not a massive difference actually. Uh, I mean, I would have to look at the statistics, but in my mind, there's not a massive different massive difference between how Vibor play home and away. They tend to be one of those teams that try and um, impose their game rather than being too pragmatic. Um, and part of the, uh, I mean, one of the downsides of that is I, I talked on the uh, on the podcast the last time about how important Christian Sorensen was to their game. And I think that West Ham had done their homework in the first half and really kept him out of crossing positions. But the one chance that he did have was, you know, put the cross in for the goal. So I think that it's going to be... Um, it's going to be an atmosphere, certainly unlike anything in, in the Premier League. Um, I was speaking to some of the fans before and they said, look, you know, we've just got a different football culture in, in Denmark. Uh, you know, the big flags, the TIFOs, the fan march, um, you know, these things are going to be unfamiliar. So I think they're hoping that, you know, in quite a compact stadium, 10,000 people um, of really kind of generating a, a bit of a cauldron like atmosphere. And hopefully, um, hopefully they're expecting to, to catch West Ham a bit cold. So I think that, I would definitely not approach this as a um, as a job done, but it doesn't sound like you are. Well, I was. I was. <laughs> come on, mate. Come Jesus. on, come on man. Look, look at our record against against. Um, no, no disrespect to Vibog, but sort of weaker opposition, so to speak, particularly in Europe. No, I know um, it's not. I know it's not a like, good. Come look. on, like, this is not look. a three goal cushion. I'd have been comfortable, but two goals away from home. I just don't trust us. I don't trust right. us, mate. Look, I know this isn't a good look taking my approach, right? If ever I listen to talk sport and a Man United fan comes on or anyone comes on with that, it's not entitled. It's not that, but that like, oh yeah, we'll beat them. No problem. Normally I'm like, oh, that's, that's going to come back to bite you. And I know what you're thinking, Jonesy, the kid amidst the Harriers, debacle that we had to endure together in um, uh, the sports bar in London Bridge together last year. But if we can't defend a two-goal lead against a team who came seventh in the Danish league last season, well, I'm I'm done, frankly. <laughs> the, not being able to beat Brighton for 700 years is one thing, yeah, but at least yeah. they're a Premier League outfit. 
da, da, da. and this isn't genuinely isn't being condescending or patronizing or anything this is coming purely from a west ham perspective if we cannot defend it it's not like we're going into a one-off game i'd be a little bit more pragmatic then <laughs> we're already three one up with no away goals like we will be okay jonesy and if we're not that's me on the podcast done i think <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would say that um, more than most teams in the in the league, Viborg are a team that are more than the sum of their parts. So like when you break it down to in- individual quality, I think like there are teams that finished above them, of course, uh, that, that, are, that are stronger. But they just have this way of um, uh, of working together and kind of digging in. And, you know, this season they beat they beat last season's champions, uh, FC Copenhagen. They've beaten Silkeborg, who finished third and are going to be in the Europa League Um uh, qualifies this week so I mean yeah I agree with you that you know the bookies have West Ham as favorites to win on the day not just the tie and so I was just I... going to try and check yeah the and the actual like the odds you get for West Ham to qualify just it's like not worth having the bet is it well it depends which side of the bet you're on <laughs> true, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, um so, so go on go on James no sorry I was just the two players that um couldn't couldn't travel because of they couldn't get the visa how much impact would those players? Would How have nervous had? are you, Jonesy? By the way, no, this, well, I'm questions. just I'm interested. I can hear because, the trepidation in your voice. No, no, I'm interested because when, I, when that story broke so midway through last week, it was a bit like, um, you know, is that going to seriously affect the way that Viborg set up and to sort of their plans for the game? I mean, how much impact would they have had or, or will they have in the second leg? Will they go straight back in, into the team or, or are they more bench players? Yeah, I, I actually asked the manager this after the. Uh, after the game in the press conference and it, he he said look you know Saeed would have started probably um but I don't want to use it as an excuse you know like what we what we prepared for it uh, as we did other games and so I, I I think you'll see Saeed starting but that said the player who started in his place uh um Zamborek, he, he had quite a good game uh, on the right wing so I I, I don't think there's going to be a, a too, too much of a noticeable difference but um I think just giving them a couple more options off the bench will be helpful. Um, but no, I don't. I, I I don't think he's like a a game changer, you know, uh, star pl- star player. But he's definitely got quality side. So coming in, Henry, what can West Ham fans expect going to Viborg? Um, any away fans travelling? I'm not exactly certain how many tickets we've sold. It's in the hundreds rather than the thousands, I believe, given the size of the stadium. But um, yeah, what can they expect from from the town, the locals, the stadium, uh, the atmosphere, all that sort of thing? So th- this is this is all um, secondhand information because I've not been there myself. But you know, have met have met the fans, and I would say that uh, the like the, the traveling support was just fantastic, very good natured, very welcoming, very passionate about their team. Um, and it was just such a refreshing experience to see, you know, 300 football fans in, in Liverpool <clears throat> street, you know, drinking and, and then not being any trouble, you know, passing West Ham fans were coming over for, for a chat, for a beer. It was, it was really nice. Um, in terms of a place, it's quite an old historic town uh, and quite an old historic club as well. Um, and it used to be the captain, uh, sorry, the captain, the capital of, of Denmark um, oh, yeah. was where the, the, the king was crowned or something back in the day. So I think they can expect a nice historic town, uh, quite quite small, uh, obviously, compared to London, but um, really, really nice welcoming supporters um, and just a good vibe in general uh, and hopefully some good beers as well. Yeah, happy day. So, Jonesy, I mean, yeah, come on, just talk to me and be serious for two minutes what you think is going to happen. 
I mean, I, I do think we'll win. I do think we'll win. But I don't on think the it's, day. On the day. I don't think it's yeah. going to be a straightforward. Um, I think V-Ball will cause us some some problems. Why are you basically um, sweating then? <laughs> I'm not sweating. I'm trembling I'm, with I mean, fear. It, it's, it's hot in this room, by the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just... I just don't think, and I felt I felt this ahead of the 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 V-ball game. Sort of as as we got closer to, I was a little bit more confident earlier in the week. But as it got closer to the game, I started thinking thinking back to previous close shaves we've had and, and poor results we've had, particularly in Europe, but obviously in the <clears> domestic <throat> as well. And I don't know. I just don't think it's it's as much as as, as easy as just rocking up there and 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 winning three or four nil and getting it done. I wouldn't be surprised if. If Feeble won one nil in the night, you know it's just it's just the way I'm programmed as a West Ham fan, you know. But yeah, I think yeah. I think we'll I think we'll make it through. Fair enough. Well, I'm normally the nervous, pessimistic one, mate. So I'm quite surprised to uh, to hear such statements from you, uh, Henry. I'm assuming you're not going to the game. I'm not, unfortunately. I uh, couldn't no. get a couldn't get a pass from the boss no. here, so um, I'm going to be watching this one on TV. But I, I j- just um just going back to what Jonesy was saying, I don't. I wouldn't underestimate how big a game this is for Viborg, you know, and I, I know for West Ham, this is like, you know, a, a kind of a step on the way to the group stage that you're You'd fully expecting so, yeah. to make. But you just have to, you just have to hope that the players don't have that same mentality because I think that Viborg know that if they don't win this, you know, that they, they, they might not be playing in Europe for a while. Mm. Uh, and so it's, you know, a huge chance for them to, to, to show what they got. And um, it, Given the the rumours as well, it may even be Sorensen's last game at Viborg. So um, I think that they're going to be giving it their all. So I, w- whatever happens, I think it should be a a, a very full blooded, exciting second leg. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff, uh, Henry. Let's just get a score prediction off you then before we let you go. Uh, I'm going to go with one all this time. One all. So uh, yeah, what's that? Be four two on aggregate. Jonesy. Uh, two one. Two one West Ham. Two one to West Ham. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go 1-0 to West Ham. Fairly underwhelming encounter, but but get the job done, which is, is what's important. Look, Henry, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show this week and last. Um, as I mentioned last week, Jones, I know you share the same sentiments. Uh, we enjoyed last season, you know, chatting to the, the fans the further we got in, in the Europa League. Um, <clears throat> so to be able to, the idea of actually uh, like trying to track down a V-Borg fan was a difficult one for me. Um, but yeah, the, the sort of dedication all that you put into your platform and finding someone in London who uh, who is so dedicated to Danish football is is um, yeah, it's, it's really impressive. It's really cool, mate. And as I said to you uh, last week, I think you definitely, definitely love football more than <laughs> I do. I, I like I love West Ham and I like football, but uh, yeah, your dedication takes it to a whole new level. But yeah, we really appreciate you having us on, mate. We hope you enjoy the game. Um, Thursday, glad you got to go last week as well, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we really appreciate it. And stay with us because next up, we'll have some final thoughts from no, we won't, excuse me, we'll have uh, the Aston Villa opposition view, Tim Wildwood, and another surprise special guest next. Ah, Will James. All the other listeners to the We Are West Ham podcast. How you doing? Tim Ward here from Birmingham. Checking in, actually, from um, La Tranche-sur-Mer in France, where I'm currently on holiday. Um, and isn't it funny how football and your favourite football team can even ruin your holiday? Wasn't even at the Villa on the weekend. 
but it was awful. Everything I've read, everything I've seen, all my WhatsApp groups, despair. Um, I mean, I won't go as far as to say Gerard needs to be hung, drawn and quartered a la 17th century. No way, there's a monster truck show on here. That is sick. Sorry, I'm distracted, but that's just the state of the villa at the minute. Anything to be better distracted than uh, watching them. But listen, I was hopefully going to come on and do this little voice note from France, being all positive um, about Saturday, um, you know, uh, Sunday even, and, and just, you know, getting, you know, we, it's, this is the one. You're there for the taking this time. But to be honest, it's going to be it's going to be awful, isn't it? Um, it'll be my first home game of the season. Not looking forward to standing there in L5 watching you guys beat us, which invariably you will. Um, but who knows? Um, we've got a good team. We did some good buy-in. Um, Bubaka Kamara looked, I mean, against Everton, he looked brilliant um, yesterday. By all accounts, he was the one putting out the fires. Oh, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to bring it down. I mean, I won't bring it down, will I? I'm supposed to bring it down, aren't I? That's my job as the opposition view. But anyway, listen, um, I'm sure you'll have somebody to talk. Uh, nice things. So for now, uh, hope you're all well. Maybe see you Sunday. I'll be waving from L5 and, uh, yeah, up the villa. And uh, see, speak to you all soon. Bye. So that was Tim Wildwood there, big Villa fan uh, from Voice. You all recognise, of course, but I'm delighted to say that joining us for the full-length opposition view tonight is Will from the Talk of the Trinity podcast, big Villa fan, of course. Will, it's great to have you with us for the first time. Thanks so much for joining us on the We Are West Ham podcast. Aston Villa, 13th in the league, three games, one victory against Everton, which I don't know if that really counts. Um, <laughs> but certainly you've had a better start uh, to the season than West Ham have ahead of the first Claret and Blue derby of the campaign. And in fact, the only one we're going to have this season now, Burnley are gone uh, on Sunday at Villa Park. Great to have you with us, mate. Uh, thoughts on Villa's start to the season? Well, first of all, cheers for, for having us on the show. Much appreciated. Um, I think you probably summed it up, you know. The win against Everton, does that really count with how poor <laughs> Everton have been recently? I'm sure Everton fans won't like me saying that. It's um, it's a season that hasn't gone as we thought it would. There was a lot of optimism during pre-season, especially with the signings that we brought in. Um and with the players that we'd already got at our disposal, thinking, actually, you know, we could push on here. But the game against Bournemouth really just set off the uh, the Villa Twitter um, fans into a negative downward spiral, really. Just remind us, mate, of the results you've had so far, then. So we lost 2-0 to Bournemouth on the opening day, conceding in the first minute of that one. Um, mm. We then beat Everton 2-1 at home, though nearly threw that away. And then Crystal Palace um, went and smashed us 3-1 at the weekend. <laughs> so, we got three points at least, you know. Yeah, well, that's, mate, you, you've got to take that, I guess, haven't you? But, look, I mean, before... No, nah, I, I will ask you that in a minute, because it, it sort of puts this game coming up. I'll be honest, I'm not saying it because you're on... Villa are one of my favourite football teams in the Premier League. Uh, I just I love the stadium. I love the fans. The atmosphere is always good. You always travel away well. I always enjoy going there. Uh, I think it does help that you're one of those teams in my head that I always feel like we beat. 
But aside from all that, genuinely, I, I love Villa as a club. Uh, all the, 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 anyone I know who supports Villa, just a good person. Um, so I've got a, a 100%. They'll be right up there with my favourite teams other than West Ham in the Premier League. Uh, and I always look forward to the games for that reason. And like I say, because it does seem like we are never too worried. We all seem to get reasonable results against you. Um, but it, it just feels like there's a lot of pressure on this game already because of the starts we've both had, which seems weird, but it's just the nature of, of football, doesn't it? Only three games in. Before we get on to that, well, Stephen Gerrard, talk to me. Um, obviously not a great record. I think someone, you'll probably know better than I will, someone gave me a stat earlier on uh, about his managerial record. I can't actually maybe being the same as Benitez is at Everton. I might have got that wrong, so I'm not going to go into that. But just talk to me about Gerard. I know that there's the the record going around at the moment that he's got a worse win percentage than Tim Shearwood and also Neville at Valencia as well. And that was the one I heard, Neville yeah. at Valencia. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's doing the rounds at the moment. I mean, yeah. for it's it's one of those when we started with him he he had a plan of what he wanted to do he wanted us to be a very possession based team yeah. and to and to create chances that way and win however our best performances have been when we haven't had much of the ball mm. and we've had to counter attack teams he hasn't quite settled on his formation yet though the 4312 seems to be the best one though the good thing about Gerard is he's attracting some names into us and i think yeah. signings that we've made this season most teams in the Premier League, apart from like the elite ones, would would like those players in their in their squad or at their disposal. You know, Diego yeah. Carlos, Kamara. It just doesn't quite click yet for him. He needs to mm. find the right formation, and then consistency. We we're just not very consistent at the moment. And for a team like West Ham, who obviously haven't had the greatest of starts, you know, um, yeah. yeah, the worst start in fifty-one years, actually. So. Pretty bad. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Man United have done worse so far, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, that is so, true. Yeah, hopefully they get tonked tonight. But yeah, go um, on. It's, it's one of those where you should be licking your lips ahead of Sunday because it's the type of game, as a Villa fan, when we when we play a team who haven't won for a while, that team will always beat us. Oh, when of course. Play, yeah, 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 yeah. When we play a team who are on a great run, like Southampton last year, they came to Villa Park and we spanked them 4-0. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, it, it's one of those, and I think from from my recollection of Villa West Ham is a little bit different to yours. It mm. almost seems to be we just trade results. You all have a few seasons where you win a few. We yeah, have yeah, a few yeah. where, where you win a few. There'll be a few two twos thrown in there as well. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, um, there are also lots of goals. Like we either win four nil or lose four nil. It's like no in between, <laughs> or like you say, yeah, or it's four all. Yeah. I mean, you've you've had the better of us the last couple of years, but you've been you've done really well the last few seasons. I mean, yeah, I mean, four one at Villa Park last year. I went to that one in my days. It was a Halloween horror show. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It was a Lingard show, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and I think last year we've we've Ben Johnson scoring straight away. Lanzini, yes. Declan Rice destroyed us. Yeah, you know? yeah. But hopefully, we can do a bit better this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, oh, it's an interesting one with Gerard, isn't it? Like, so are you, just, just quickly then, or briefly, are you sort of sticking with him for now? You're sort of happy? Um, I would. I would. I think yeah. he's, he, he's got the name to bring the players in. I think yeah. we need to bring in two more players. We need a centre-back to replace Carlos. We need uh, an attacker. It doesn't look like we're getting Saar from Watford anymore. Um, 
but you've got to give him 10 games. You can't sack a manager after three. And who are you no, going to get? You know? Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, I think sort of same sort of noises from us about David Moyes on the podcast tonight, really. Um, or this, this morning when we recorded the rest of it. Yeah, just exactly what you're saying. No need to rush. Like, just give him a bit of time. Um, you mentioned Diego Carlos there. You've had a similar situation and a bit of unfortunate luck as we've had with signing a big name centre half for big money, um, as we did with Nayef Agued, and he gets injured. Was yours in pre season? Agued was pre season, uh, or did he play? No, last few minutes against Everton, just physically, mm. just popped, and that was yeah. That was that. That's him. Yeah. For, yeah, it's just bad luck, isn't it? I mean, um, what what do you make of? Obviously, you got Tyro Mings in there as well. An interesting situation. That bold decision. I'm sure you spoke about it loads already. Uh, what have you made of that? Because I, I personally admire it. I think fair enough to Gerard, and I admire that about Arteta as well. Going in and making a few big calls. That's what they're there for. Not scared to do it. But interested to. Hear what you think about the decision and about whether it was, you know, Mings himself and, and sort of all everything around it, really. I mean, I'd have, I'd have kept Mings as captain, to be honest. We're, we're a much better team when Mings plays. Such a, I mean, funny enough, the 4-1 where you beat us last year, Mings started on the bench and we looked mm. ropey as hell. Um, when he doesn't play, we look unorganised as a leader. He doesn't get all of the, you know, the positive fan reaction that he probably should do. He's, he's a very mm. good player. He does make mistakes as well. Um, if it hadn't have been Mings, though, I would have gone for Emmy Martinez. Emmy Martinez, a goalkeeper who's just yeah. really won the Copper America, you know, yeah. one, of the, one of the better goalies in the league as well. John McGee, yeah. I'm not surprised. Gerard was a midfielder. You know, we fair play to him coming in knowing and stamping, you know, his own mark on the club and what he wants to do. Time will tell, won't it? But I'd have I'd have stuck with Mings, and I think Mings is really needs to be one of the first names on our on our team sheet. Not all Villa fans. Wow. No, no. So see, it seems fairly. I've heard, you know, not loads, but people going, yeah, fair enough. I understand it makes sense. What do you think the thinking behind it was, though? Gerard said it's to improve his game. Do you sort of understand why he's gone that route? Maybe take the pressure off him as captain, so he can focus on not making as many mistakes. Um, mm. I think last year. Or over the last few seasons, he's made four mistakes that have directly led to goals, which obviously right. is worrying. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're letting 60 goals in a season, what what's four? Um, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I, I, think, I think for me, I'd have concentrated more on getting in a better defensive mid, a better centre-back partner and a better left-back, which mm. we have done since January. And Yeah, target they, going, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, you know, we've upgraded in Luca Dean. I like to mm. think and Bubakar Kamara looks a class above as well in defence. Really, yeah. But we'll we'll see, you know. Well listen, look, I'm I'm looking ahead to the game. I'm chatting to Nigel Rio Coca tomorrow, uh, not for the, the podcast for work, but um obviously central midfield player for West Ham. Uh, after West Ham, he played the second most amount of games in his career for Villa, captained both of our teams, of course. And I'm going to be chatting to him about the captain stuff, but that central midfield battle, you mentioned Kamara there. John McGinn is a player I've always liked, always. I love him on my team. Just gets about a bit. Uh, but then Declan Rice, Thomas Suchek getting a bit of flack at the moment. Form hasn't been great after an excellent first season. Um, chat about, you know, maybe that game's won and lost in that central midfield area. Uh, you've been going with the three with Jacob Ramsey. What, what do you make of that whole, or what do you make of that notion that that's where it's going to be won and lost? Uh, I can agree with 
that. I think I think you're right. You know, Suchek is a is a very good player, isn't he? Chips in with the odd goal, hasn't didn't score too many towards the end of last season, if I, if mm, I remember yeah. rightly, but always seen goals. Declan Rice, absolute quality player for me, should be the England captain. Uh, if I'm being mm. completely honest with you, I think he's fantastic. He's it's one of the centre mids in the league. Um, he, you'll overpower us with those two if we stick with the three that we have been. Bubikar Kamara is a fantastic defensive midfielder, but he's the type of one who would drop into the back three. Mm. Though he's very good on the ball, very good at passing. Jacob Ramsey has been one of our better centre mids, but he needs a rest. Then John McGinn. There's probably a few Villa fans who would sell him at the moment, to be honest. Really? He, um, he hasn't <laughs> been on form. I don't know what it is. He, yeah. He, oh, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, him and Ramsey are both very box-to-box, and we need right. more of a, a 10 and an 8 in midfield. So there's a few fans there. He isn't, whether that's because of his contract, I don't know. We, we may see... We may see a change to the centre midfield, um, but I think the one of is Buendia or Coutinho. If they're getting in there and floating and then Rice or Suchek have got to pick them up, it could mm. cause you problems. But at the same time, if you're playing with three behind the striker, Bubikar Kamara is going to have a lot of picking up of a, an attacking midfielder to do, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, um, just sort of looking forward to the game style-wise then, Will, uh, what can you see, how do you see the game playing out from a style perspective? I think from a Villa point of view, we'll be looking to get onto the front foot straight away, um, get the get the crowd behind us, you know, especially Gerard at the moment feeling a bit of pressure, he'll want us to get an early goal. So, I'd imagine that you'll sit back a little bit, but then take control of the game as it goes on. Um, we'll play with our four-three-one-two, trying to get our full-backs to bomb on. Matty Cash and Luca Dean being um, our main attacking outlets, really. Though, who who starts for us is anybody's guess at the moment, really. Yeah, yeah. I'd like I'd like to see Ings and Watkins up front, two against four. I always think you're better off having two strikers if you can, especially when it's two. And they're decent ones, haven't they? Exactly. Um, but saying that, with Ben Rama, with Bowen, with the likes of a Lanzini or a Four Nels behind Antonio or Skamaka, I imagine you'll cause us no end to problems across our. We back. haven't scored yet this season, mate. So I'd like to, well, I'd like to agree. Mate, but perfect. it's a perfect game for. You. <laughs> <Let me laughs> yeah, that is true. It's one that of them. True. Well, Listen, Will, it's been uh, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the podcast, mate. We appreciate your time. Uh, as we always do, before we let you go, just give us a score prediction then. Sunday afternoon, Villa Park, West Ham United versus Aston Villa. I've got to go with the Villa. Um, I'm going to go 2-1. I'm just going to cross my fingers until full-time on Sunday and hope that you don't turn your season around just yet. But I hope you do and I hope you have a good season. Yeah, yeah. Happy days, mate. Well, the feeling's mutual, of course, after after the weekend. Always like to see the Villa doing well. Uh, always great to chat to um, you on the uh, on the show, mate. Appreciate you coming on. Um, and, yeah, so obviously not good luck for the weekend, but best of luck for the rest <laughs> of the season. Uh, stay with us because you'll have some more thoughts from me and Jonesy next.
Well then, Jonesy, there you have it. The Henry Nichols um, from V-Borg. We had a chat with him, which was good fun. Uh, sorry, from football in Denmark about that V-Borg game. Uh, and then, of course, the Aston Villa view. Just then, looking ahead then, Jonesy, let's have some final thoughts. I, I wanted the, the, While we're still on that Villa topic, what's your thoughts on, on the game at Sunday at Villa Park? Um, we've got a good, re- good record there recently, haven't we? So I, I do... F- I just I, I I know that it's not no time to panic just yet. I did a big rant about that earlier, but I just feel like I want to be cautious in that going into games feeling relatively confident. Um, I was relatively confident against Forest and Brighton, um, and I just feel like yeah, if, we, if I'm too overconfident about this one as well, it might come back and bite me. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel like it was more, your we're fault. Not good enough to beat them. The Forest thing wasn't it? That was your fault. Uh, the first oh, one wasn't well, mate. I'm beginning to think this is all my fault because I've got a West Ham tattoo now, mate. And, I'm not, yeah, I feel the same. And uh, someone even tweeted me yesterday, I can't remember who it was, um, just went, Oh, it's your fault because you got a tattoo, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm beginning to think that's probably it. So I apologize on behalf of well, I just apologize, yeah, of the whole no, not apologize on behalf of anyone. Apologise on behalf of yourself to the yeah. entire West Ham fan base. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to West Ham fans around the world. Um, I will get it lasered off this week. <laughs> yeah, I think that's for the best. <laughs> so, beatable then, Billy, you reckon? Because they're not I exactly do. ripping up trees themselves. No, I do think they're beatable. Um, I think there's now a stat that came out recently that Gerrard's got the same managerial record at Villa as Gary Neville did at Valencia. Right. Um, so, not doing a particularly good job there. No. Um, so... We are they're beatable. We are good enough to beat Villa. Um, the fact is that I don't think Gerard really knows his best starting eleven, um, and that their marquee centre back signings out for months. He's got an injury, mm. so um, yeah, Diego Carlos, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so that's probably going to work in our favour a little bit. As if we can, can be bothered to attack this weekend. Um, so yeah, I think I think we can go there and get three points. We have got a good record at Villa Park in recent years. So, yep. um, but I'm I'm just. I'm stopping just before me going, yeah, we'll win this weekend. Yeah, just yeah, good yeah. enough to win. <sighs> yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to try and pretend all was well this year. I think we'll beat Aston Villa. We always beat Aston Villa. Like, we literally always do. Um, I am confident, yeah. I, I feel fine. I think the, the football gods will be on our side finally. We'll get a bit of luck. First three points. I think we'll be Viborg, and I think it'll be a, a wholly more positive podcast um, next week. Uh, Jonesy, the one thing I do want to get your thoughts on some comments sort of coming out about our, um, you know, having lost Mark Noble and the effect that's now having on the team. And almost like that might be part of why we've had such a naff start. I'm a bit uncomfortable with that. The mention of Ryan Fredericks and David Martin as well and how good they were around the place. I understand there's a little bit of that, but a little bit it's a little bit icky hearing that used as almost an excuse. I I don't buy that. I mean there's no no doubt in that Noble had such a great influence in that dressing room. Like it's yeah. obvious that he did. Of course he did. Yeah. Um that's why he played an extra season was so that he could Pass a lot of that on to, to Declan Rice and a few other the young younger players. Yeah, like to Ben Johnson and, and Ben Johnson apparently taking taking the sweeping up duties after after the game. Uh, or so we're led to believe. So, yeah, 
like for then suddenly there'd be rumours that yeah, actually you know him not being there is affecting the squad. I I think it's just a cop out. Um, yeah. Because just... that, squ- that that squad, we, we've been yeah. led to believe for the last two years that David Moyes has instilled this great squad unity, really great atmosphere in the team. Everyone gets on with everyone. Everyone's best mates. Losing one of them, yeah, fair enough. He was top of the bunch. Should mm. not just like David Martin was always there, wasn't he? Knocking about. But <laughs> uh, come on, like, making the tease or whatever. Yeah, and like, I, I come on, like they're all they're all men. Right. They all should be. They all, you're telling me they're all just falling out of each other because Mark Noble's not there. Yeah. Like, come on, like, it's just silly. What do you mean they're all men? That's that's uh, a little bit. What's it called? No, Old what, hat trope, isn't it, James? No, yeah, I mean, it's like, like soonest. No, no, no. What what I meant there was that this is a men's game. This is a men's game. Yeah. I what don't I mean want is, to see any crying, and I don't want anyone talking about their feelings. They're all they're all adult men. Should I put it that way, right? So they're all adults. I think. Yeah. They're all grown ups. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If if suddenly something's happening in um the some of the unity within that squad's been lost because one or two players have moved on, mm. right? That makes me question the character of every single of the, of the players that are involved. That's why I don't think it's it, it's particularly true. I think mm. it, like, if you're using it as an excuse, a cop out. Like these are like fully grown up men that we're talking about. These aren't babies. These aren't kids at primary school. Like if your best mate moves on somewhere, then like. You're still going to get on with everyone else that's there, surely. It's not going to make you fall yeah, out of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not having that. Not having that at all. Um, it's what it is. Fine. Fine. That'll do for me, mate. That'll do for me. Listen, don't forget, everyone, you can follow We Are West Ham on Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham. We're on uh, personal accounts. Mine's at William Pugh underscore. Jonesy's is at by James Jones. You can get us on YouTube and Facebook as well. Just search We Are West Ham Podcast on both of those platforms. The YouTube in particular is doing very well. Uh, Jonesy doing a sterling job with that this season. Um, you fancy getting a few of the video clips, both of the opposition views from this week will be up um, and some extra reaction. Uh, and I must apologise, Jonesy. I totally forgot earlier that some of these videos go up online um, and I muted my mic and started tucking into my lunch <laughs> just willy-nilly eating my chicken um, while you were chatting forgetting that um, yeah these things go up on, uh, on YouTube yeah, so everyone can, everyone can see what you have for lunch today then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very enough. sorry if I've nosed up the uh, the previously perfect video quality but uh, there we have it email us if you so wish at we are on uh, sorry no at we are West Ham pod at gmail.com Links to all the ways you can follow and contact We Are West Ham are included in the description to this pod. Uh, so if you forgot what I've said, then just scroll down or swipe up, whatever you do, on whatever phone you've got, find the description to the pod and you'll see all those links. And don't forget, you can buy us a beer and support the pod if you so wish at buymeacoffee.com slash We Are West Ham. Uh, the pints start from a fiver, or they are a fiver each. You can buy one or up to as many as you like, basically. Uh, thanks to everyone who's done that already up until now. We really appreciate it. And just a reminder, that money goes directly to me and Jonesy. And we only ever spend it over a bar or on equipment or guest fees to make the pod better for you guys. Uh, that's buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestam. Well, we've sort of had to endure it, Jonesy, another... F- Brighton and Hove Albion thing. I'm not going to be over it. I'm not going to celebrate it when we do beat them. It's just the thing that I don't like about our football club. However, we did beat V-Borg 3-1. We're in good shape going into the second leg on Thursday. And we've got Aston Villa, who we always, always, always beat. Or so it seems to me. Anyway, so 
all is not lost just yet. That's hard to uh, to maintain a little bit of positivity this week. But this time next week, Jonesy, seven days' time, absolutely no problem whatsoever. Smiles galore from both of us. West Ham in another European group stage. Three points in the bag. We do like a thrashing of Aston Villa as well. I, I fancy a, a 4 0 and Marlon Harewood esque when he got that hat trick in 2006 or wherever it was. So, a uh, bit of positivity, mate. Skamaka hat trick. Harewood esque. I can't believe you're saying this. Stop it. Jerry Skamaka. Stop it. Whatsoever. Uh, score prediction, please, Jonesy, for uh, Aston Villa. 2 1, West Ham. 2 1 to West Ham. There we go. Three points on the board. This time next week, all will be fine. Do not worry, everyone. In Moyes. We trust West Ham are massive. Thank you very much for listening. Up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. This week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed manager shirt, signed, of course, by the man himself, David Moyes, plus you can win £200 cash. Tickets are just £3.95 each, and just £149 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Thursday, and the winner will be drawn an hour later, live on the Football Prizes Facebook page. There's been some fantastic pieces from Tony Cotty, Syed Benrahma, Jared Bone, and Vladimir Soufal. In fact, most of the current West Ham squad, all signed, up for grabs since they launched. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Sports Social Podcast Network.